0: not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: We are back with Andy Schlafly, General Counsel for the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, a group of conservative physicians, a position he has held for two decades. He currently has a lawsuit pending against the Biden administration over its Disinformation Governance Board, which is kind of Orwellian Ministry of Truth. Andy Schlafly, welcome as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio.
2: Thank you, Dr. Dan. It's such an honor to be on your wonderful show.
1: And the reason for that, of course, is because of fear. What do we all fear most? We fear death. We fear illness and death. And if you have people who are supposedly scientists, medical scientists come out and say, if you don't get the vaccine, you're going to die. If you don't take the treatments that we prescribe for you, you're going to die. The problem is they're just flat out wrong.
2: And I once said to someone who was pushing vaccines, uh, to an unbelievable extent. And, and I'm fine with vaccines, but some, I spoke to someone, a little, a little debate there, and they said, Oh, well, you'll never, I'd never live with myself if I didn't triply vaccinate and, and take every vaccine, this, that. And I said, Well, what we really need maybe is a vaccine against fear. The vaccine against anxiety that's what we really need i mean let's let's just cut right to the chase of this let's get a vaccine against fear and anxiety and you know what not to digress too much here dr dan but we have that it's called the bible <laughs> pick up a bible and read it and you'll be vaccinated against fear and anxiety <laughs>
1: That's a wonder, really a wonderful insight and, and it's really true because you know uh, though the collectivist will never let a crisis go to waste. And here right. is their perfect crisis. You're afraid of death. You're afraid of illness. Right. Do, it my way, do it my way or you're going to die. Right. You That's know.
2: exactly right. And it's a shame all the people who did it their way and died anyway. All those people who went to the hospital thinking the hospital would help them. And instead, the hospital denied them access to inexpensive medication that you go to a poor country and you can buy this medication, the cheap medication that's effective. You can buy it right off the shelf. Dr. Dan, I mean, that's, that's the irony of this. And you look on worldometers, a website that lists how countries are doing in fighting COVID and the poor countries are doing better than the rich ones, better than the United States and Europe. The poor countries are doing better. And why are they doing better? Because the poor countries, they allow you to get access to this effective, inexpensive medication. They don't put hurdles in there. They, they don't ration it. They don't monitor. You just go into the grocery store and you just buy it like aspirin. You take it and you feel better. You move
1: on. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we know that that hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and a ZPAC is what you use to treat covid Very, very successfully. Uh, The problem is, is that, as you said, we were denied it. But, you know, one of the things that troubles me most is that physicians who promoted that treatment are getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. That really makes me angry because as a physician, my job is to give patients anything possible that might cure them. My job is to cure them. I don't care if I have to use table salt. What difference does it make? They need not to die under my care. And yet the government is coming and punishing me for saying the truth. That is what the problem is.
2: It is. And in a lawsuit I filed back in 2020, a few months after this COVID hysteria started, I sought to... Get a court order requiring the government to release 100 million doses of hydroxychloroquine, which had been donated to our federal government by pharmaceutical companies for the purpose of treating COVID. So pharmaceutical companies, they I, I don't agree with everything they do, but they, they had this hydroxychloroquine. They donated to the government in an act of charity that should be applauded. They knew it might help. That's why they gave it to the government. And you know what the government did with that, Dr. Dan? They just sat on it. They refused to allow the public to get access to it. And I compare that to the time when Stalin withheld the grain from the Ukrainian farmers and they starved to death. And to our government, our federal government, is just a handful of these liberal bureaucrats. It's not we're not talking about our military. who are fighting to save our country or the many good people in government. I'm talking about a handful of liberal bureaucrats withheld 100 million doses of hydroxychloroquine, which had been donated to our federal government to distribute to the public. And they did not distribute to the public. And by now, it's probably expired. I mean, we're more than two years later. They just let that rot in warehouses, apparently.
1: Well, again, it is it is not just that. I mean, it's the fact look at some of the decisions that were actually made. Look at that. the mayor of New York's decision. Here he has a hospital ship in the harbor, right? And instead, he sends sick people back to nursing homes. I mean, what do you call that?
2: There should be a real investigation of that. And it's it's very wrong what he did. And I saw that here uh, reported on a daily basis. Um, you, You don't need an expert to tell you that when this COVID would get into a nursing home, infection would spread rapidly to all those elderly, highly vulnerable residents of that nursing home. You don't need an expert to tell you that. And yet that governor did that and many people died because of it. It's very tragic.
1: So what about the legal the legal consequences that there should be for institutions censoring the speech of physicians. Let's that, talk about that.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Dan. That's the new frontier. The speech, the censorship. If you go back a generation when we were growing up, the liberals were against censorship and they, they liked to protest things and they liked. Uh, <laughs> Uh, No regulation on what they print or what they show on video. And the liberals were were very much against any kind of censorship. Now liberals are pro-censorship. And their next campaign here is to censor political speech because they see that they cannot win this long term if we're allowed to tell the truth. We've got the Internet. We've got too many people out there who realize that the media is lying to them. And the mainstream media is lying to them. And that if we're allowed to tell our truth, there there are too many people out there who pick up on it and agree with us. So the liberals now are trying to censor what you say, Dr. Dan, what I say, what physicians say. And that's sort of the new frontier, the battle over what can be said. And we're talking about political speech here. We're not talking about any kind of speech that's. going to really uh, hurt anybody or anything like that. No, we're talking about political speech, Uh, what medications are good, Uh, what policies should be adopted, who to vote for. And the left is trying to censor us on those issues. And that's frightening because that starts to look like a communist country at that point, Dr. Dan. And that sort of totalitarianism, which is coming right from the White House now, We've got just recently in the last week or two, there's been documents that have been uncovered where Biden administration officials have been communicating with Twitter and Facebook and social media, telling them to take down certain posts and to censor certain topics on those private social media platforms. Now, over the years, there have been suits against Twitter and and Facebook over this, and, and and those companies say in court, well, we're private entities. You can't tell us what to do. And, and we can, if we want to de-platform Donald Trump as they did, their attitude is, well, we're private entity. We can do that. Well, <laughs> apparently, according to these documents, the White House has been telling them what to do. And since Biden got in there, he's been working with social media in trying to get them to coordinate censorship of everyday Americans like you and me. Dr. Dan. And that's where we got to fight back. I mean, we've got to fight back for freedom of speech and make sure we can continue to get the truth out. Because if if you can't get the truth out, then where do we go? Then it's game over.
1: Well, Andy, let me ask you a question. And I understand what their argument are. They are private corporations. But at what point does a private corporation with with that great a following When does it switch from a private corporation to a network outlet? Where is is that dividing line for? So
2: there are legal doctrines, uh, such as the concept of an essential facility, where a private company gets to the point where it's controlling a facility or a platform or distribution network that's essential to everybody. Then they've got to be fair to people and letting everybody use it. Think of um, a train station, a train station in a big city. Whoever owns that train station or a bus terminal in a big city has got to be fair because there's, there's no other facility for people to use. So they can't say there in, in the train station in downtown Philadelphia or wherever. They can't say, well, we're not going to allow any Trump supporters in our building. You can't do that. I mean, I don't care if it's a private company, public company. It's an essential facility. And you can't start to discriminate like that based on ideology or any other reason. And I think Twitter and Facebook and Google, those entities have gotten to the point where they're essential facilities and they can remain private. That's fine. But they can't start to misuse their monopoly power or their essential facility status to tilt the playing field in the world of politics. So that's uh, Donald Trump. He should be allowed back. I mean, I I don't, I don't know why that's taken so long because he doesn't want to come back to Twitter now. And I I don't blame him, but this exclusion of people. and, And once they started with Donald Trump, everyone was saying, well, People who, who maybe were not the biggest supporters of Donald Trump sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, well, it doesn't really bother me. And then, of course, then they started doing it to all these other people, too. And that's what happened. So if we don't stand up when censorship is imposed against our neighbor,
1: then it's, we're going to be next. We are back with Andy Schlafly. You know, Andy, that, that brings up a great point. Uh, you know, in, in Hitler's Germany, in Nazi Germany, it's not that like one day uh, there was an announcement, all Jews get on the cattle cars, we're going to the crematorians. That's not how it started. The first thing was Jews cannot sit on a park bench in a public park. And what they said was, OK, it's only a park bench. I can sit on a sit on the grass. And that was the wrong answer. Because that's how what Rosa Parks did. Finally, she said, no, I ain't going to sit in the back of the bus. I mean, Andy, that's what started all of that, the freedom in this country. And that's what led to the the murder of six million Jews in Germany is they did not do that.
2: And the lesson is we all have to stand up against that sort of tyranny, no matter who it's against. Um, we're seeing prosecutions now that are are getting to where they're tyrannical, Doctor Dan, and, and you know if we sort of shrug our shoulders when somebody gets locked up for seven years, twenty years. I was involved in a case before the Supreme Court. A doctor got locked up for twenty-one years over a dispute about his pain management, where he maintained his innocence the whole time. Twenty-one years. And if people are gonna sort of shrug their shoulders and say, well, it must've done something wrong, must've done something wrong, that tyranny is gonna continue to flow unchecked to everybody until it's a society that we don't wanna live in. You look at what happens, you gave a few examples there, Dan, they're powerful in history, but another example is is East Germany. And I know that's before the time, some of your your young listeners, but uh, East Germany, they. They allowed tyranny to, to uh, continue, unchecked, build the Berlin Wall. Well, okay, yeah, it's just a wall. You know, it's, you know I don't really want to leave anyway. If they want to wall me in here, it's okay. And, and just one after another, they're shooting people who are trying to escape over that wall. Well, but you know, they were breaking the law by trying to escape. And they're saying, you know, it's a totally atheistic society that nobody wants to live there. I mean it's just they're they're doping their athletes to compete in the olympics and they're just doing all sorts of horrible things and and finally of course after ronald reagan and the the spreading of freedom from our country got over there and they tore down the wall thanks to conservative work in this country that that went over there uh they've turned that east germany around but it it took a while It took a while to change that mindset. And they ended up prosecuting a lot of those people, Dr. Dan, who did that tyranny. But the point is to to object to tyranny when it starts, not wait until it's almost finished. Object to it when it starts. And Edmund Burke was an Irish statesman who many consider the founder of the conservative movement. And he has a wonderful quote about Americans back in the 1700s. And he said, Americans don't tolerate even a mere whiff of tyranny. You get even a whiff of that. You see tyranny a mile away. That's when we need to object. And that's what we used to do back in the 1700s. Well,
1: Andy, you're absolutely right. And back in the 1700s, um, it was a little bit different back then. Uh, It's interesting when you think about it. um, It was kind of just perfect. Perfect for a revolution. It took uh it took a month round trip for the generals in this country to talk to the king of England. They had to get on a boat and sail there. If you wanted to talk to someone, if you were in New York and you wanted to talk to someone in Massachusetts, you gotta get on a horse and ride for three days. So I kind of in my fantasy, I imagine uh, you know, Samuel Adams and John Hancock. You know, and Dr. Joseph Warren sort of looking at themselves and saying, hey, we can go off into the woods and have a little conference and foment a little revolution. They're never going to know. And then down in in Virginia, Patrick Henry and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson was saying, hey, no one's watching us, man. Now is the time. And the problem for us nowadays, uh, as I see it, Andy, is that we have two generations of young people who have totally they totally don't know anything about the soviet union they don't know about the berlin wall they don't know about the vietnam war they don't know about communism they don't know about the failures the murderous regimes of stalin and mao Zedong. they don't know that and here they are using the platforms of Facebook and Twitter and whatever. And to me, that's how they're getting away with that. That's why those platforms are really an enemy of freedom in that respect. How do we handle that?
2: It's a real problem, Dr. Dan. And I've stayed off a lot of those platforms yet. There's so many people on them. I don't know that we can just avoid them and succeed either. And uh, the, those platforms basically keep the truth from getting to the young generation. Waste a lot of their time too. Uh, you're you're going to see very little of the Bible on those platforms. You can see very little of conservative principles on those platforms. Their, their format is really not conducive to having an intelligent discussion with anybody. I mean, Twitter limits the number of characters. Uh, Facebook, you get is really for photos, which I mean, how much are you really going to get out of looking at uh, photos all day long? Uh, In the old days, people read. And if you go back to American colonial period, uh, Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense, it was read by something like one out of every three persons who could read read that pamphlet. It was like set the record, other than the Bible, being like the most read pamphlet in history. Thomas Paine could write, too. Today, it's worth going back to all you out there in the audience and just go on the Internet and find some of the stuff that Thomas Paine wrote because it's all public domain and freely available now. That man could write. I mean, it'll give you goosebumps today reading some of the stuff that he wrote. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website www.drdnsfreedomforum.com The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything 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 gonna be all right this morning.